Deplorable Nation, a podcast where your voices can be heard, where things that affect you and your family are important, because it's important to all of us. Every one of us matters, and everybody has a voice. We're going to be bringing you news, current events, and throw in a lot of humor, and then you decide for yourself. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Deplorable Nation. I'm your host, Deplorable Janet. Today, we have a banger of a show for you. I'm very excited to talk to this guest. He is a new friend of mine and absolutely an amazing human being. So before we get into the show today... Don't forget to check out CampfireBlend.com. My girl Shannon over there at Campfire Blend has the best coffee and absolutely the best B-Town <coughs> rub down whiskey coffee rub that is absolutely amazing on everything and anything. Also, don't forget to check out Miss Jackie's freedomshopdirectory.com, all Patriot-owned businesses. You can also put your business on there and pull more people your way, or you can just shop and support local. And don't forget to go to mypillow.com, save up to 66% off with promo code JANET. So without further ado, my wonderful guest today, Mr. Audi from Modern Retro Radio. How in the heck are you, love? I am so glad to be talking to you. And uh, this is a thrill for me. And and uh, I don't feel worthy, but uh, <laughs> you're, you're so cool. You, you let me know that you enjoy talking to people of all types of backgrounds, and, and so do I. Uh, but... Uh, what brought me to you was, of course, our good friend, uh, Scott Armstrong, uh, formerly of the Truthzilla podcast. He put us in touch with mm -hmm. each other. And I watched your yes, episode. And I watched you on your episode. And it was heartbreaking. But you were I just found you to be the cat's meow. And but the, the part that really made me say, OK, this is somebody I need to know. You said I cannot be bought. When you said that, right. I said, "This is my gal." <laughs> Absolutely, that is a hundred. That's a hundred percent me. And you know, I think there's so many people that have a really hard time um, living life to their full potential and knowing who they are a hundred percent. And I am that person. Um, I don't bend my morals or values for anyone. So. Yeah. You, you can't. Yeah. And I, I saw something. I can't remember exactly what it was, but uh, they peg children uh, early on on who's going to be uh, a true individual and who's going to be a conformist. And and I remember I was mm -hmm. that child that would challenge the teacher if I disagreed with something, you know, and you and me both. <laughs> <laughs> and I just because if something wasn't right or something wasn't just, it was worth fighting for. 
And mm-hmm. I can, and I've been in many uh, scenarios professionally uh, where that's been the case. Uh, let's just go ahead and get on into it. Like, um, for instance, you know what? I'm a Christian. You know, I'm, I'm down with the Almighty. <laughs> I wouldn't be where I am without. Me too. I wouldn't be where I am without the protection of the Almighty, uh, uh, Yeshua, His Son, and my guardian angels and spirit guides. And and uh, I actually think I met one of my guardian angels before. I have to say about that. So with that said, I remember uh, one of my many contract jobs that I had before I finally stopped working in corporate environments because I'll you couldn't pay me enough money to work a corporate gig ever again. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm, but right. I, re- I remember uh, one gathering where everyone was in the big break room for whatever uh, I think it was going to be a Christmas party or a turkey dinner or something like that. And I'm one of those people. I'm just a strong believer of separation of church and state. And mm-hmm. and and I did not like the fact that you know that they were leading a prayer because. Even though I'm a Christian, I am respectful of other faiths, or, you know, and so it's like, well, if we're going to make that, if we're going to subject that person to ours, then why can't we uh, do a Muslim prayer or whatever? So how about nobody, let's just everybody worship on their own time. So that was where right. I was coming from there. And a couple of friends were like, uh, you sure you want to pick this fight? You know, I said, yes. <laughs> it's just, well, you know what? <laughs> but you- We're so identical in that aspect because I I talk about this all the time. Um, You cannot advocate for one uh, specific group or one, you know, specific cause or or whatever, while at the same time putting others down. Yeah. That is, that is not, that is fake. That is so fake and and I, it makes me crazy because you can't be like, well, I'm a Christian, so, you know, I'm going to pray and this is what we're going to do. And yeah. at the same time, you know, put somebody else's religion down. I, I can't stand that. And oh. I can't stand the the double speak that people have nowadays. It makes me crazy. Oh, the so. hypocrisy, the hypocrisy or, or the cognitive dissonance, rather, of some of our fellow Christians uh, continues, never ceases to amaze me. Um, I remember mm-hmm. I was in college. Uh, I went to Belmont and uh, and my I think it was my second year when the the you know this country has done so many bullshit wars it's you know it's not even funny but this particular time was the first gulf war and Mm -hmm. i remember we were in a cafeteria man a good one of the nicest guys you ever know he could uh sight read music and we used to sing gospel songs and elvis songs and he was a big patsy klein fan and we would just cackle and he was just awesome and i just remember uh, we were all, and this was, you know, we were hearing all the rhetoric about Saddam Hussein and how horrible he was, and so on and so forth. You know, never mind our inter- our real interest in being there. But uh, and he said, you know what? Uh, why don't some we just just drop a big old nuclear bomb and and just take him out? I mean, I know it'll probably result in some innocent civilians being killed, but well, it happens. And I thought, wow, <laughs> did this come out of the mouth of a person who actually claims to be uh, a, 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 a child of Christ? 
Do you see the inconsistency? So that was the beginning of me getting out of organized religion right there. God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh, And see, I have, I have a problem with um, organized religion as far as specific churches um, or being in a building because my faith and my belief in God is something that is inside of me and it's private and personal and the building does not make it. And I was raised a Catholic mm-hmm. and that church is so, <laughs> you are so, so, so indoctrinated and mm. there's so many rituals that you perform. And it wasn't until, you know, later on in my adult life where I finally discovered that. And I'm like, now we found a non-denominational church, which is amazing. But yeah, mm-hmm. I've been to multiple churches that are very much ritualistic and um, it scares a lot of people, honestly, away yeah. from religion. Yeah, my first, well, I started going to church with my grandmother. She would make me go whenever my brother and I would spend the weekends with her. So I got the taste of like the black gospel church, you know, and all the stuff that goes on there. Mm -hmm. And then my junior high school, one of my three best friends, um, I spent the night at his house and he invited me to go to church with him and his uh, mom. And that was more on the Southern Baptist side. And so I was, mm-hmm. uh, uh, for two years, I was a, the the only black guy in an all white Southern Baptist church. And I loved it. And at that time mm-hmm. it, it was working for me, but then, uh, well, we, we, we changed pastors. Our pastors moved, uh, our pastor who I loved moved on to Illinois. And I think that was me. I, I learned that even with church, you can't, force something to work that's not working and you can't force a square right. peg in a round hole. And, and I thought, Oh my God, you know, I'm not being a model Christian here, but actually my faith, my spiritual growth, my connection to God, the signs that I get from God have grown 10 times more since then. And, and I'm all, and one day I may belong to a church again, but it's going to be small and it's not going to, and it definitely won't be one of the the major denominations. It won't be Baptist, Methodist. It won't be any of them. (laughs) It's just not, I just think they want your money. And, uh, and and not one of the mega mega churches. (laughs) Oh God. Oh, and let me tell you what, if inside. (laughs) Oh God. And, and I remember I went, I visited my dad in Ohio back when I was in my early thirties. And, and just one time I agreed to go to church with him. And there's this thing that black churches are doing that really gets on my nerves. And, uh, and I know this is an audio podcast, so I hope people realize that this is a black dude talking. So don't, don't clutch your pearls. Okay. But it's something that black churches are doing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't, uh, they would, um, uh, they were, um, uh, having people come down to give to the church and how they did it. They said, okay, who's got a hundred dollars. And then they would work their way down to 75 and then 50 and then 20 and then whatever you could give. And I'm like, Am I in a church? Is this really happening? I said, okay, I am officially done with churches if this shenanigan is going on. And I'm not kidding. Right. And I told my grandma, I called my grandmother that next day and I said, you wouldn't believe it, this church. And she said, yeah, she said, uh, yeah, she says, I don't know why more churches are, are doing that now. And it gets on my nerves. It's almost like it's an opportunity to be seen 
you know, giving money. Uh, hey, I'm in a hundred dollar group. I'm in a fifty dollar group. You know, I don't think the Almighty even recognizes that money because th things are like that are supposed to be done in secret. Jesus was against public prayer in the first place. Right. Yeah. And that's that would make me so uncomfortable. And, you know, we talk about this all the time, because if there's ever a moment um, where they start preaching politics or anything like that, uh, you will never see somebody run out of a service faster than me. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I'm not, I'm not all about that. I think that you need to uh, leave religion in the church and take out all the other nonsense. Oh God. Speaking of, speaking of the mega churches, I can't remember. He's one of the big guys that used to see on the, uh, TV every week. I mean, one of those huge churches, not Joel Osteen. This guy's like way before Joel. He's like the really big, heavy set white guy with the glasses and the white back, white hair. And I remember when he was on there singing the praises of, I think it was Mike Pompeo, the, the CIA guy and what a model human being he was. I said, <laughs> has it come to this? Do we have a, 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 a mega church pastor singing the praises of someone who works with, probably the most corrupt institution of all the three letter agencies out there. Oh, a hundred percent, you know, and that's, that's just getting them to worship a false idol. So yes, that I would run. Yeah. So you, you have, you have such an interesting background. I really want to um, dig into some of that stuff. I know you were a former journalist, Yep. so I want you to tell me about that and why you don't do that anymore. Oh, I studied journalism. My interest in it actually began in high school in the 80s, and I was editor of the school paper, and I really learned journalistic writing. I learned how to build a solid lead. I, I learned how to write in what's called the inverted pyramid uh, writing style. And it just over, and then through college, I wrote for the college paper. And, uh, so I, I really had a respect for journalism, and I was definitely one of those types where I wanted to be an ambush reporter. I wanted to get the bad guy, and I wanted to expose him. You know, that, that was my thing. And uh, I, was, I did two summer internships with the Nashville Banner, which is no longer in business uh, here in Nashville. Um, but I got to write uh, some, uh, some special supplements and so on and so forth. But by the time I got, I think, into my second year of college, uh, I learned then that the news that you see in corporate media, TV and print, is not really news. Uh, my professor handed us a, some kind of handout called the 10 Most Underreported uh, News Stories. Uh, and, and they were just stories that would be considered conspiracy today, when, when, even though they were all factual and could be documented. So... Mm -hmm. Th that I learned then I said, okay, well, working for the TV news is, uh, that's not what I want. Um, but I did, uh, end up getting an internship with a radio station here in Nashville, uh, called lightning 100 in the nineties. And they had, uh, just purchased a, a, uh, monthly, uh, rock magazine, which was called the Metro. And then it became bone music magazine. So I used oh, my, wow. Yeah. You, do, do, were you here for that? Okay. I, I know I know about Bone. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> oh, that's 
sounded terrible. <laughs> oh, I want to hear it. Well, I, shame I, on me. No, oh, <laughs> no, it sounds like a porn magazine, but no, it was uh, actually a music <laughs> magazine. I don't know why they call it Boned, but you know, that that's <laughs> yeah, it was called Bone <laughs> Bone Music Magazine. Um, no. Well, I tell you what, I'd rather work for a porn, porn magazine than I would, you know, USA Today. I'll tell you that, you know, but today. Amen. No, you know, at least, you know, they don't put up pretenses in porn. You know, they tell you exactly what they're all about. Uh, but when I was one of the editors of Bone Music Magazine, um, so I, I learned a lot about writing through the editor named Daryl Sanders, who uh remained a good friend off and on for many many years and he unfortunately he's now in that group of friends who i no longer associate with because he is a neoliberal who uh gets high on the whole of what you know covid and the 2020 election really drove a lot of wedges between people and Mm -hmm. and so but anyway he was the editor of that magazine and i got to have some great experiences and I, uh, uh, interviewed, uh, a lot of people I otherwise wouldn't have got the interview. I, I got to interview Joyce Pazito, who was Elvis Presley's, uh, one of Elvis Presley's right-hand man. You know, uh, I got to interview John Frashanti of the Red Hot Chili Peppers right after he quit the band and was working on his first solo album, which was complete garbage. And I think he was in a stupor of heroin while we were even doing the interview, but <laughs> it was great. Uh, <laughs> And you can just um, tell with some people trying to think. Um, well, this is all this is one of those things where I would connect the dots later that, oh, that's why he was like that during the interview. And I had cassettes of all my interviews and I've lost them all. And, uh, you know, I even got to interview my idol, Paul McCartney, via the fax line. Uh, (laughs) uh, so I didn't really get to interview him, but I got to fax my questions to the publicity firm in New York. Uh, who relayed the questions to him and he answered them. They type it up, send it to me. So I virtually interviewed Paul McCartney. He was starting uh, something called the Liverpool Institute for Performing Arts. It was a school I think he went to as a kid and he put some money in to kind of get it going again. And so they were spreading the word to everybody. So uh, that was, uh, so I had some good experiences, but I I learned pretty early in my twenties that no, corporate news is not really uh, for me. And and I'm glad that I realized that before I really found out how evil and demonic and controlled it is. Because don't forget, in 96, Bill Clinton signed the Telecommunications Act, which pretty much is why all the TV stations, radio stations, and print publications are all controlled by, what, the same, what, five or six companies now? And uh, right. I couldn't work on those. Absolutely. And with my perspective and my dedication to truth and accuracy, I, I could never uh, be a spin doctor for corruption. I just uh, I could and never I do can't, it. I can't imagine. I can't imagine you being um, the type of person that would fit in well with like mainstream media or like CNN or MSNBC or anything like that. You know, I don't. I can't I, stand phony you, people. I cannot stand. Yeah phony ass lying opportunistic people who just are interested in keeping their job and and staying on that payroll no matter how much they compromise their integrity i cannot right. be one of those people and and and, and I that's get, why 
I think that's why you and I get along so very well because we are cut from the same cloth. And that is 100%. And I cannot wait to to meet you. And, and, you know, we're going to get Scott. Uh, you know, Scott from Truzilla, you know, he's got his own new show now mm-hmm. called Rebunta. He's moving to Tennessee. And, you know, Ryan Christian, the last American Vagabond, he and I are becoming really good friends. We had lunch and uh, we're even talking about maybe doing some music together. So I got to figure out. a w- and, and I have some uh, a really good friend named Joshua who, well, I can't call us really good friends, but we're really well acquainted. I'll say that uh, he hosts a, a podcast that's he is an agorist. And he runs a freedom cell in Chattanooga, and his podcast is called Our Foundations. Uh, oh, that's the guy that I tried to get you to join on the Discord group. <laughs> right. You know, so the him, Discord that, that permabanned me for life. <laughs> oh, you know, and I, I, I hate that. So who was who it that got you banned? Um, It was a place I used to work for. Oh. And uh, oh, so we a, had a lot a, of hits. It, no, no, no. It was a, a podcast uh, that I used to be on. And, you know, no offense to them. Uh, shout out to everybody at No Mercy. Still love and respect you. But um, we had a lot of hit pieces that were done on um, the person that owned the company. And um, like, I don't know if you've ever, have you ever heard of Will Summer? Hmm. He's a journalist. Um, Will Summer did a lot of hit pieces and then from there kind of snowballed. And, uh, so there were people that were like infiltrating our chat and, yeah, uh, they, writing news stories about it. Who yeah, did Will writing write news for? stories about it. Who did he write for? Uh, no, I was it, remember. But was it like a mainstream publication or, or, or something like that? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, say no more. Say no more. Yeah. If it's yeah, like. And so. They, you know, they, they attacked us like left, right and center constantly that there was multiple articles wrote about us and uh, things that we said in the chat and stuff like that. And, you know, just being um, tied to administration, that's where the issue came from. So, yeah, that's why I cannot get into discord any longer. (laughs) Wow. There's no, it is what it is. Yeah. Well, it's a badge of honor, but that's, I thought Discord, you know, embraced free speech a little bit more than that. So I guess I have to keep that in mind, you know. Well, Uh, you know, the funny thing is like the new um, True Social that came out. Yeah. That, you know, that people were waiting, waiting and waiting and waiting for days to get on and whatnot. And several people I know have already had their content censored. Oh, yeah. And that was supposed to be a free speech platform. The second I heard, that's the Trump thing, right? Yeah. Isn't that the, mm-hmm. it, okay, well, what do you expect? What do you yeah, expect? that's what, it's so, it, me, I didn't do it just because, like, you know, all these new things come out, like Float and, you know, Gab and, you know, everything else. Yeah. And I am just not one to... Uh, spend a lot of time on social media anyway. Yeah. And so everybody's like creating these accounts and they're like, oh, you should get one. And I'm like, oh, I should not. 
And I don't want to because you know what I'm saying? You should get one. No, I should not. <laughs> yeah, no. Because, well, why get one if I'm not going to use it? And I, you know, I, I'm one of those people and everybody knows this. It knows me. I hate technology. And so why in the world would I want to keep creating accounts where I have to be present no, in a place I, I don't want to be? Well, I, you know, Trump, is he better than Biden? Yes. With that said, I was always concerned that Trump was always wanting to start this platform when he, when everybody it has migrated to Gab, which so far... Andrew Torba, who runs it, he has been consistent. Uh, It's a free speech platform. Unless someone makes like a deliberate, outright death threat, then okay, they're going to have a problem with you. But, you know, I've been called a kike, faggot, nigger, and everything, and I love it. You know what? Because I'm a big boy, I can handle it. You know, I can handle it. You know what? That's (laughs) me too. And that's the funny thing is like when I had my very first Twitter that got nuked. My name on Twitter was so long because every time somebody would call me a name, I would put it in in my profile name. <laughs> and it was so long. It was like it was like deplorable hillbilly redneck rube cult member whatever 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 and I was just like I'm proud of that and that's why you know like a lot of people are like why are why is your name deplorable janet or your show's deplorable nation and i'm like i wear that as a badge of honor just like if somebody calls me a bitch or cunt or whatever the case (laughs) may be i i really don't care because other people's opinions of me don't matter well you know why would a person see but it, it irritates me when someone attacks someone for the egregious act of telling the truth you know thinking you can't think you can't think well then i guess you were saying that you and i were a lot alike so when i was growing up it took me a very long time to realize that i'm just an individual and i would and i never really fit in one particular group uh the the black people black people said i acted too white uh and I certainly didn't want to hang with jocks and all the idiots. And, and it, it, I never w- wanted to hang around joiners, you know, people who follow trends just because the media told them, OK, this is what you're supposed to care about now. I, I always rejected that. So the, the friends that I did mm-hmm. have were true friends who truly appreciated me. And I and I didn't even like my name because I had a, such an unusual name. And I said, like, it's not normal. But as I got older and I realized. Oh, I am Audis, and I'm an individual, mm-hmm. and there is only one of me, and there will never be another because I am just amen. You know, there's just not going to be a duplicate of me. It's just not possible. But and you it, know what? It makes you perfect and special, and it makes you the individual that you were meant to be. Well, and I appreciate you saying that. And, you know, I've had to let a lot of friends go this last couple of years, but it's kind of like how when a, some guys, when they get dumped by a girlfriend, they say, you know, I don't chase them, I replace them. So that's what I'm doing. I'm not chasing these unhealthy, toxic friendships. I am putting in pe- putting in people in my life who I know are going to be genuine and and 
so I am, and and God has given me all these um, affirmations that I'm, because I almost left Tennessee. I was actually going to move out to Oregon where Scott is, but he said, please don't. Our governor is insane, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes she, yes, she is. Shout out I'll, Kate Brown. I think you escaped from a mental institution. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, she, she reminds me of uh, like that chick who's a premier of uh, New Zealand or whatever. Who's a total crook? Yeah. You know? So, no. But you I, know, and I just wait, wait. I got to tell you. Yeah. Um, because because you're black. Yeah. You couldn't live in Oregon because, according to Kate Brown, you're not smart enough to do math or reading. Oh. So. This, you know. This constant virtue signaling, identity politics, divisive polarizing, critical race theory bullshit has got to stop. Enough. Amen. I, I I'm tired of of black people being pitied for the because being black. I'm tired of gay people being pitied just because they're gay. We're all, you know, most people. Are, are pretty cool with diversity. If it weren't for the media, right. it's only the media, they send out this constant message that, well, America is so divided and, and they just make it seem like we're just, you know, one insult away from an all-out race war when that's just not true. Now, right. e- now, even with all, I mean, there are a lot of bad people out there. I mean, there are a lot of bad people who literally work for the government and their job is to literally instigate, start trouble with people, Get on social media and and attack people who have counter-establishment points of view. Now, those people, mm-hmm. those are turds. You can't do anything about them. You know, I, I feel sorry for them. Anyone that will sell their integrity for a buck, God bless you. I don't. I don't need to know you. You're outnumbered anyway. So go hang out with your own and, you and know- be miserable. You know what's so funny about like all of that and like you know, the demonization of certain groups and who you should hate because the media says so and it's right. all the rage and all the bad. I love absolutely everyone. I will have a conversation with anyone on the planet and I love everyone unless you are a shit person. I don't care if you're black or brown or pink or purple. I don't care as yeah. long as you're a nice person. Well, and if you're a shit person, then yeah. you don't belong in my circle. And Period. That, I think that's most people. But, you know, the deep state, the government, they don't like black people like me because, A, I'm uh, a black guy who is aware of his blackness, but I can get along with anybody. And I, and I, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a rock musician. I'm in a, a band with a white male. And people like me kind of bust up a lot of the narratives that you hear on television. The so stereotypes, the, the, yep. I am not the stereotype, and there are plenty of other black people who are not the stereotype. But if you watch that little box where you know the attractive uh, anchor man and anchor woman you know, talk to you, you know, you, see Janet, you're supposed to pity me. You're supposed to, you know. And in fact, let me. Uh, I'll tell the story about you know me and Daryl. Daryl was the editor of the Bone Magazine, Bone Music Magazine. Uh, I admired him when I was in my 20s and the 90s, and he was the editor of the publication. I really admired him. But then you look back and we fell out. We fell out over to we fell out over the 2020 election. Because he claimed to be like this true liberal. I said, hey, well, 
I okay, I guess I lean left as well, but he and I both watched Bernie Sanders get completely blatantly brazenly screwed in the Democratic primary. Mm-hmm. It happened right in our face. And then right. not a, I wasn't for Trump or Biden, but it was clear that the 2020 election was just good god. I mean, I mean it's like how how more obvious could the the corruption be that it was so rigged? And mm-hmm, exactly, he uh, just was not having it. And I said, "You're not consistent in your values. You know, it shouldn't matter. Uh, you know, if, if you're going to ignore election fraud just because your guy wins, then you really don't deserve for your guy to win. You should care about the process because everyone's vote should count." So we finally had it out. And so when I sent my last email to him. I remembered how when I worked for him in the 90s, not a day would go by where he uh, would remind me that he was a white man and he was not racist. And it was his duty to to call out or challenge racism whenever he encountered it. And so he was supposed to be, I guess he's supposed to be like some hero of mine for that and that alone, even though I was very capable of defending myself. So I remembered all these memories. And then I finally told him in my last email to him, I said, Daryl, I have lost all respect for you. You don't give a damn. Just like most liberals, you don't give a damn about black people at all unless it gives you an opportunity to feed your white savior complex. Mm-hmm. That right. applies to all liberals. Martin Luther King warned us about white liberals. Malcolm X warned us about white liberals, and they are the mm-hmm. same today. They don't care for black people as long uh, unless we know our place. And I have been treated with more respect by the most far-right, gun-toting, tobacco-spitting, good old boy, country music-loving. I have been treated with more respect by true patriots than I have by any liberal, anytime. Well, see, and that's the thing is because that's what they like to do is demonize people on the right that that we're all racist and we're all, you know, uh, uneducated, hillbilly, redneck, rude, blah, 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 whatever. But you know what? I can honestly say um, it's the nicest group of people because they're very accepting of everybody. I've never run across anybody yet. That, you know, thank God I haven't run across very many Karens in my life because, ooh, um, yeah, me and Karens <laughs> would not get along. Um, but, you know, I'm one of those people, I will fight for you no matter who you are. Yeah. If I think you need me to advocate for you. Yeah. If you're not strong enough to do it yourself. But if I think that you are and you have a spine, I'm just going to stand next to you yeah. and support you. I, I don't need to be your savior. No, it, we or, have, a, we have you know? a duty to call out things that are fucked up. You know, I remember, uh, gosh, this is a random memory I have. Um, this is when I was uh, doing just freelance writing. So I was home a lot. This is in the, like the late nineties. And I was just in my apartment and I just heard a voice outside in the parking lot, just screaming at somebody. And then I, I normally keep to myself, you know, but I raised the window and it was um, a guy who worked for a moving company just yelling and degrading this uh, 
other employee. And it was very, very obvious that the guy being yelled at was special needs. It was very obvious. And so I had to step in. And I say, hey, man, shut the fuck up and quit talking to him like he's a damn animal. And that stopped. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people wouldn't intervene. But that was just a situation where I saw, uh, this is wrong. And I'm not going to let this go unchecked. And I hope. And that's me. Yeah. I couldn't just uh, let that happen. No way. Yeah. Yeah. Things like that upset me and irritate me to no end. Because, like I said, I love people. I love people's hearing people's stories and, you know, learning about their life and, you know, what makes them tick and what's going on with them and, and stuff like that. But that's one thing I cannot stand is for somebody to trash and belittle somebody else yeah, for no reason. Oh, I, I hate that. Oh no, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. Uh, in fact, I, I know for a fact that I can't because I remember one of the last times I went to McDonald's before I stopped eating that poison. Um, the cashier was this young, queenie little attitude having bitch who was, you know, he was really, he was a condescending little prick. But he rang up my order and he had a question and he asked the manager and the manager just belittled him right in front of me for not remembering how to work the register. Now, I could have been petty and went, huh, see, that's what you get. That's some karma. But no, I ended up, I went from being annoyed by this guy to feeling sorry for him. And and mm-hmm. uh, and I think I just said, uh, I said, hey, I said, well, I said, oh, I see, I'm not the only one who has a boss for an asshole or, some, or an asshole for a boss. So I lightened the moment. You know, because it's like, first of all, why kick somebody who's already down? You know? Right. Uh, but you know what? You know what that is, though. Um, you, I wholeheartedly believe that you're an empath mm. because you you know what other people are feeling. Yeah, and you you know you can pick up their emotions, their energy, and all of that stuff. And it, when you are an empath, you have to do something to turn those negative emotions into something positive. Somebody told me about a year ago that uh, I'm uh, well, I'm dyslexic, so I don't have the highest uh, IQ, but I'm pretty damn smart. But I was told that I have a very EQ uh, and uh, I was born with a very intact BS detector. I also believe that I have psychic discernment skill gifts. Right. God. And yeah, I can usually right. size up a person pretty quickly. And I know when someone's being completely phony and fake. And, you know, uh, now some people might consider me like people who live in my apartment complex. They may think I'm very antisocial because I have made the decision to stop. Uh, I'm at the point now where I can't really interact with low frequency people anymore. And I I adapted that phrase from uh, Keith Jenkins was also on uh, Truthzilla not so long ago. And, you know, you can't teach a person who has no interest in learning, you know, (laughs) Um, that's very true. So there's none so blind as he who will not see, you know, however you want to phrase it. So uh, I know that if, when I walk outside my apartment and go out into the world, I know that I'm on a certain frequency that most, a lot of people simply aren't. I do think the world's waking up though. 
I do think the world's waking up. I do too. I do I, too. And I think it's like exponential growth every day. Well, first of all, the deep state really overplayed their hand with this COVID nonsense. And they mm-hmm. have, because everything that they want to do in their playbook has to rely on us uh, believing them and asking them to be our oppressor. Well, the polar opposite of that is occurring right now. Every I've never seen such, I mean, the Great Reset, That's a, it's a wrap on that. The Great Reset really has been thwarted by the Great Awakening. And, and I thought this mm-hmm. would never happen. Uh, I used to feel the need when I was still on social media to just kind of you know, say, hey, open your eyes. Look at this. Look at this. You know, uh, Obama was Obama's corruption. He made George W. Bush look like an amateur. Exactly. <laughs> he made it's like, and it was just amazing how people would just swoon, swoon at him. And I can just list all the facts, you know, but they're just people who just don't want to hear it, you know. And well, and that's one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about today. Um, yeah because this has come up between you and I before is that you are an ex Democrat. Oh yes. Right. Yes. And so what I want you to tell people um, like number one, were you, were you raised that way by your family and, and what happened for you to change that? I was always very passionate, even when I was a child, and and I and because I was a journalist, I think I had a little bit more of an interest in politics because I, you know, I followed news and I wrote some news, so I think that was the foundation there. Uh, but then I just became brainwashed by the two party paradigm. I believed that Democrats were good and Republicans were evil. <laughs> I used to believe, you know, I was uh, in favor. I, I let the Democrats completely influence everything that I believe. I was pro gun control laws. You know, I was pro abortion. Uh, just because th- these d- corrupt Democrats were lying in my face. Um, but what, what made me begin to sour was that, um, oh, here's another example of cognitive dissonance. You know, I was pro the Affordable Care Act, uh, Obamacare. And, Mm -hmm. and I remember cheering when the Supreme Court upheld it. So this is cognitive dissonance, baby. Here it is. (laughs) I'm actually applauding being required by law to buy for-profit insurance or pay a $800 fee every year. And that's progressive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's kind of, that, that's, that doesn't make sense. So, but what really snapped me out of it, you know, I got on the Bernie train, the Bernie Sanders train in 2016. And I really was uh, in his camp. And I thought, oh my God, here we are. This man was filling up our arenas like Metallica. And Hillary Clinton, she couldn't even fill up a fifth grade cafeteria. Okay. <laughs> but yet somehow she becomes the Democratic nominee. And mm-hmm. then to see Bernie just bend over and take it and not challenge it, I thought, wow. I really lost respect for him. Uh, but then in 2020, here we go again. I was actually more of a Tulsi Gabbard person. Of course, now I know she's full of shit, too. But I was more on the Tulsi Gabbard train. And, but yet everyone's getting behind Bernie again. And I'm like, OK, uh, didn't y'all see? Don't y'all remember what happened in 2016? He bent over and took it up the ass from the DNC. 
And why? And then mm-hmm. Bernie, so he could easily run as an independent. It, we proved that he could raise tons of money without DNC support. But uh, here's what finally did it. First of all, they, they stole the primary from him again in 2020. And the day that he dropped out, he announced uh, that his campaign had been working with the Biden campaign for two months on this task force where they were going to, uh, there were some progressive agenda items that they were going to uh, take care of on this task force. But here's the part that made me go, hmm. So Bernie said that he had been working with Biden's campaign for two months and then he dropped out. Well, why was he asking for fundraising money up until the very day that he withdrew? Mm-hmm. He was asking for money knowing, knowing weeks in advance that he was going to drop out. So Bernie played us. And then I really began to do the math. Bernie had been playing uh, progressives since the 90s. He campaigned for Bill Clinton after Bill Clinton signed that horrible NAFTA trade deal. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it, it would behoove all of us to stop worshiping politicians i don't care who they are amen (laughs) amen it would really i would rather just think about you know myself and other people than i ever could care less about a politician oh no we we because yeah there are not that many uh politicians out there that uh can't be bought or sold or, you know, whatever they, uh, there's a lot of people that don't stand by their morals or values. They're easily corrupted. And so, um, I would be fine if all politicians just went away. Oh no, I've gotten into, I'm embracing agorism and I'm a novice at it. Um, I saw Derek bros on, um, uh, podcast and so I checked out freedomcells.org and through that that's when uh, Joshua reached out to me and told me and uh, invited me to join a discord group so now I'm just seeing all these people who have their own farms they grow their own food they they deal with local cattle ranchers for their meat people like you Janet who know how to make their own bread mm-hmm. my friend Sek mm-hmm who hosts Agora the podcast, he and his wife, they know how to make like natural home remedies. And, you know, I mean, right. these are people where if, if, if we did have this vaccine passport and be denied access to public places, it wouldn't affect their life one freaking bit. So that's right. what I am interested in now. And I'm thinking about, well, um, if I want to, I, I, I'm not going to leave Tennessee, but or Na- but I want to get out of Nashville, and I need to be right. around people like you, Janet. So uh, I, I was going to say, come move by <laughs> me, move by me. That would it, be it, fun. I yeah, and and I'm trying to I'm trying to just I think Scott is going to uh, go to Chattanooga, uh, so and that's like an hour and a half, hour forty minutes from here. And I said, you know what? Mm-hmm. I could I could keep my day gig and still live outside of Nashville. And if I need to come to the city like one day a week, I could easily do that. So, um, right. but I, I just need to be out of this neoliberal hell that I'm in. You know, I, I just don't want to see people driving in a car by themselves wearing a mask. 
You know, I just don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> Agreed. Or outside alone with the mask on. You know. So and- tell me, um, like, so is the um, agorism, is it kind of like just um, like a free market place um, as untainted as possible where you can basically trade each other for goods and services? Is that so, basically what it is? That is basically what it is. And the the people who adapt that title, they have they have accepted that not only is the state corrupt, the state is beyond repair. So just right. it's a parallel society. I said, OK, you know what? It, it, you're going to waste your it's a waste of time hoping that some politician is going to save you. It's not. So that's what a mm-hmm. is about. It's like, you know what? Find like minded people. And y'all just uh, depend on each other. And if you can work for yourself, even better. But again, it, it, agorism also un- recognizes that the money system is also a trap system. The banking system is also, it's a trap system. So uh, there, you can survive on the fat of the land and, and trade goods and skills with other people, and you can still survive. But, you know, uh, but government is so corrupt. I heard now that they're even trying to, uh, you know, there's some people who have water wells on their land and they get their water from mm-hmm. their water well. And now I heard that there's a uh, their government trying to put a meet put a meter on that when it's not costing the municipal uh, authorities anything. They're just greedy and they want to well, control everything. And I was going to say that's not surprising because, I mean, look at uh, like having to pay for air at the gas station. Yeah. <laughs> pay for air, you know, pay for water, pay for all these things that you should not have to pay for because we have them in abundance. I don't so, mind paying for yeah. air. I don't mind paying for air for my tire because I guess something has to make the machine go, you know, so, okay. I'm sure there's a cost. There's an expense there, but you're right. <laughs> but no, but it is scary because Nestle, the, the CEO of Nestle, wanted uh he you know he wants to privatize water right and and these sick people are not above uh doing that right and and they'll do anything they can do to control people um and that you know it's it's through greed and the need for control of others and they and and they also not they like to distract as well. They love to distract. That's why. Yeah. So I think things like this whole critical race theory and Black Lives Matter and all that, I really think that those are red meat issues to piss off and distract patriots, white patriots particularly. And I think people need to quit taking the bait and letting that upset them. Uh, because right. what Democrats, whenever they need to get their base in line, they go, hey, Look at that homophobic thing that that guy said. Oh my God! Look at that uh, anti. Look at that racist thing that that guy said. And, and you know, and Democrat liberals, they go, ruff, 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 you know, they just respond to it like right. dogs. We've got to stop letting politicians distract us, you know, because it's and all. And see, of- that's the thing. If you just don't pay attention to them and what they say, just like the news media, if you ignore them, yep. your your life is so much better. Oh well, that's Just happening completely. Uh, corporate news ratings yeah. are in. Corporate news ratings are in the toilet. Mm-hmm. Even the Olympics did. That's badly. because 
there's so many people that finally woke up to the bullshit that they're selling and the, the propaganda behind it. And like, I've done a lot of shows on uh, the Tavistock Institute and the start of that and how they basically formed uh, our CIA and, you know, whatever, and uh, propaganda arms and they owned all the newspapers and yeah. special specialty and demonizing groups and, you know, the whole nine yards. And if you just like, for me, it's really simple. Um, I live in my world and I like ignore all of the outside chaos and bullshit. We don't, we don't do drama. We don't do chaos here. And so we just live our lives every day for us. And that's right. it. And, and we don't let anything else influence that. Well, if I can, and I love uh, that. And if I can't get to the point where I can live like you, uh, I, I hope that you would seriously consider uh, taking in a middle-aged, slightly pudgy black houseboy. You know, I, I can do chores. You, I know? Would, <laughs> you know what? I'd be more than happy to have you. Uh, you and I are probably really, really close, really close in age. And we get along yeah. really well. And we have like the same morals, the same values. And yeah, yeah. I'd, be, I'd be happy to have you. Oh, and you know, and live with me. <laughs> you're awesome. You know, well, check with your husband. You know, say yeah. You know, well, what? You, and I'm I'm very good at you know Microsoft Office, so I can you know do. I got good technical skills. Oh, you know, and yeah. <laughs> hey, you. We can have our own little uh, commune here. You can come here and be my tech person, um, and oh. I will cook for you. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, I'm getting into cooking, and you know. Uh, because I, 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 I love cooking. But, you know, that's interesting because that's another part of the whole agorism movement that Derek Rose talks about. Uh, there are people who are going in with buying land together, you know, and oh, yeah. basically, yep. isn't it funny how it looks like when you look back, the hippies had it right all along? Yeah. And, you know, I it, that's another movement that was was infiltrated you know, and the whole uh, music scene and the music industry and all of that stuff <laughs> and the drugs, you know, and the whole nine yards. But, yeah, they they did have things right. And there are people now that live um, the yeah. hippie lifestyle. They live on on communes. They have uh, community property. They all do community chores you know, yeah. the whole yeah. nine yards, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. I'm all about, I, I'm all about anything I can do. Cause I may not have money to, you know, pay somebody for helping with something, but I can sure give you like yeah. homemade spices, homemade jerky, mm -hmm. whatever the case may be. I can, I can fix you up. Yeah. We gotta, we have to uh, stop being a slave to money as well. But that's funny that you mentioned how the hippie movement got uh, infiltrated because I learned, I think it was only like a couple of years ago that I learned that the whole Woodstock thing, that whole thing was a CIA yeah. psyop. In fact, yeah, a, that came that actually came from the Tavistock Institute. Wow. Um, the orders came from them, you know, and and filtered down because the Tavistock Institute. Uh, controls all of our policy. Oh. Believe it or not. 
So the CIA literally has an office in Hollywood that approves all scripts, all Hollywood scripts. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that I mean that's they're, just a fact. And they're very in deep. Uh, they were deep into the beginnings of Disney and the whole nine yards there. So, yeah. But they were very much in, involved in the whole music scene and, you know, Laurel Canyon and all the artists that came out of there and Woodstock and, and all of those uh, music festival. Yeah. Things. And, and, you know, and it's funny, I, I heard that uh, Bob Dylan uh, really was kind of, quote unquote, created to be Bob Dylan as well. Um, mm-hmm. He. he uh, yeah, he, he basically Bob Dylan, the Beatles were basically creations of the deep state for social engineering and, and things like that. Uh, you know, say what you will about their music, you know, they're, they're great, but it's very dis- it's very sad to me to know that they were they are industry creations rather than just, you know, these talented people who just happen to make it, you know, by the, you know, stroke right. of luck or something like that, but now, the industry doesn't work like that. In fact, you don't even get to be at their level unless you're owned by that big club, you know. Mm-hmm. And- 100%. I have, a, I have a really good friend that um, is also a podcaster, and he was uh, in the music industry, and he has so many stories about uh, things that they did to him or tried to do to him or whatever. And he's mm. like, you know what? This is not me. I'm done. Wow. I'm done with this. And you don't, yeah, you don't own me. Oh, so yeah. And he, he, I'm telling you, if he had stayed in it, he would probably be the most miserable person on earth. Yeah. Um, remember yeah. that singer? Um, there was a young singer who was really starting to become big, like around 2000, Four two thousand five, uh, Joss Stone. Do you remember her? She has hair style kind of like uh, yours, but but blonde. Yep. She was the one. You know, she saw how bad the industry was. She gave her label back two million dollars. She gave it back to them. Now that <laughs> that what else? What bigger statement could that make? You know, it, it's exactly so. But you know, and that leads and- me to my radio station because. I it used to be a struggle because here it is. I I play new music by classic artists, which I love because I do respect the work. But if I base my rotation on what I know about the music industry, I wouldn't play anybody, you know. So, Mm -hmm. uh, so that's just one area where I do just block that out of my mind because um, one of the reasons that I started the mag. I mean, the well, were you going to say something before I get into this? I'm sorry. Mm-mm, no. Okay. The the reason I created Modern Retro Radio, that's modernretroradio.com, <laughs> was because I was a big I was a I became a huge Paul McCartney fan. His solo work in the 80s, the late 80s. When I was in high school. Hey, and- wait a minute. Wait a minute. Can you say that uh your radio station again in your sexy radio voice? <laughs> modernretroradio.com <laughs> yes <laughs> I also, sorry I, I just had to hear that again oh well uh, it was my pleasure to say it again 
it, it's a very expensive uh, hobby running a web radio station because I pay BMI and CSAC and the stream fees and all that. And it ain't cheap, but I, I do it because I love it. And my best friend I've known mm -hmm. since 1982, he's my music director, and we do new releases every week where I get to be my wonderful, politically incorrect self, and he, and it's awesome. But one thing I notice about corporate radio and commercial radio, you know, once an artist gets a certain age, they just stop getting airplay, no matter how good their music still is. And mm -hmm. it, it and they really playing Paul McCartney. The last single I remember hearing about Paul McCartney uh, on the radio was uh, his. He remember that movie Spies Like Us. He he had the hit song from that soundtrack. After that, he just he became toxic to radio. Now, but then in the nineties. Elton John was still getting airplay. Clapton was getting tons of airplay. So was Rod Stewart and Phil Collins, but no Paul McCartney. I was like, okay. Mm -hmm. And then it got to the point where I noticed that not even those guys were getting airplay anymore. And, and I just noticed that there's this whole focus on youth in the radio. And that just ticks me off because I'm the type of artist, if I go to see someone in concert, yeah, I want to hear the songs I know, but I want to know if they can still blow me away with their new shit. And a lot right. of those, I'm the and, same. you know, Prince was big on that. You know, he would do his his classics, but boy, you were not only did it was this new stuff awesome, but it was he, you were going to love it live. And um, mm -hmm. and Paul McCartney has made his best albums, I would say, really from the mid '90s on. And so I just and I used to ask people, I say, hey, how come they don't have a new a radio station that plays? The new art, the new songs by the classic artists. So that's just a untapped market, and you know, and there was nowhere. And so that's when I finally created Martin Retro Radio. I was hosting um, a, a show for independent music um, uh, from a, this lady who runs a station, and she's based in North Carolina. And then I had another friend in uh, North Dakota who had a, his own little web station and it was very successful. And so he told me what all I needed to start one. I said, you know what? I'm going to do it. And Martin Retro Radio will be four years old this May. Oh, congratulations. That's exciting. But, uh, but I just started doing the Audi podcast recently because I do want to have more of an editorial focus and uh, I've done two uh, podcasts and, I want you to do the Audi podcast with me, please. Wonderful, Janet. Please. I would be, I would be honored because, you know, it's it's a good opportunity for us to uh, speak freely yes. about whatever we want, and to you know plant those little seeds of truth, and you know, yeah, get your get your thoughts and your feelings out of it, and I think. That is so important yep. these days. You know, the I said I, I tell my best friend all the time. You know, I, I've been single for a while, and I would love to be in a relationship. I think I'm a great catch. You know, uh, you know, and you know, I'm working. I you agree. Know, I'm independent. I agree you are. Thank you. But here's the thing: I can't just stroll up in some gay bar and deal because, unfortunately, the, uh, many of the gays are still drinking the Democrats are awesome Kool-Aid. 
Mm-hmm. I just I just can't go and have a beer at a bar and, and hear some queen go, oh, my God, I'm so glad that Trump is gone. Oh, my God, Biden, he's awesome. He's wonderful. No, I'm going to I'll probably commit a homicide if I stay in there. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, Don't be out there killing people now. <laughs> no, oh, please. You're talking to a guy when if, if there's a, a, a bug uh, in my apartment or whatever. Uh, I will uh, open the door and blow it on a tissue to let it to free it. I have done that, so I mm-hmm. I really don't like killing things. So, but no, I, I can't do that. So I told myself, I said, well, if God has it in place for me to to be in a relationship again, it's going to have to be somebody that I meet mm-hmm. in the agorism community. And you know what? Um, you will meet the person that you're meant to meet when you are meant to meet them. Yeah. There's a lot of people that spend so much time and focus on, you know, dating all these different people and whatnot, trying to find the right person. When you least expect it, it will fall in your lap. Yeah. I think I'm on track. Honestly. And, you know, just, yeah, it, it, it is what it is. And, and and right now I'm focusing on building a foundation for a new life. That is foremost my goal. And I really I see I see it happening. You know, uh well by the time this runs it would have uh, passed, but you know, I decided to clear blue. I got a text from uh Ryan Christian. We're gonna see uh Sam Tripoli at uh at a comedy club this week. You know, oh, very because cool. Because he doesn't have a whole lot of friends here either. I mean, can you imagine hosting a podcast like he does and trying to mingle out in the mainstream society? You know, it's just, Mm -hmm. it's oil and water. It's oil and water. And so I have, I don't try to fit in, in social circles anymore. I I, I don't make that, there's no need to. But when I do see people who I want to know, I'm like, I'm I'm on that. And again, we have to thank Scott. Uh, Scott Armstrong for uh, connecting you and me because he's the one that told you to reach out to me and and I saw your episode on their show and I love it. Uh, Well, I love Scott and I'm very excited because, you know, when I was on his show, we were talking about him moving out of the area and how much he wanted to do that. So I'm glad that he is moving. Not not happy that you guys live so far away from me, but I'm happy that we're at least in the same state now. God's gonna God's gonna work that out too. I have a feeling. I, I <laughs> God's gonna work that out. I don't know. I I don't know. I, I I think he part of me would like for him to be in Nashville with me. I told him, I said, if you come to Nashville, you can live with me as long as you want rent fee free. I don't care. I love you. You're my buddy. You know, uh, but I he's going to go to Chattanooga, which I think really makes more sense because, A, that's where that freedom cell is. And um, he almost he considered Texas. But um, as you know, he's a a drug and alcohol counselor. And uh, but in Texas, Mm -hmm. to do that, you have to have a bachelor's, which I think is stupid. But in Tennessee, you don't. So he's coming to Tennessee. And and, you know, I I can see us making a, a trip a weekend trip to hang out with you, you know, and you know, it's something's going to happen. Oh, <laughs> and I want to do us a, I want us to do a video, uh, some sort of video podcast, you know, where we're all in the same room. I think that'll be fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, now, you guys, you guys have the, um, tech abilities. So 
<laughs> you uh, you guys work out the tech stuff, and I'll feed you. <laughs> All right. All right. Now, is there? I mean, now anything you can ask me anything, Janet. I I really appreciate honest questions. So, if there's anything you want to know that you think, well, should I ask him that? You know, don't worry about that. Uh, because I, well, I have, I, I just, I want to talk to you about something that you and I have like conversed back and forth about before, and that is um, the the number. Thing with you oh, and yeah. how you you see the numbers and and we both get different different signs from God. So I yeah. want you to talk about the numbers because that's happened to a lot of guests that I've had on my show, and I have never experienced the numbers. Uh, probably because you are not going through any particular aggression or turmoil you probably are I, I i think it happens to people who are going through a constant exposure to evil and i am mm-hmm. i in a, i encounter a lot of people who uh seem determined to sabotage my life uh one of them was my brother who just passed away actually um and um i'm sorry about that he led a violent life, uh, but he's in a better place now. And we weren't speaking the last year and a half that uh, he was here. And uh, I'm not surprised of the circumstances of his death. But, yep, he's gone. And um, But my, he, I'm, I'm telling you, he actively did things to sabotage my life. And I've experienced it a little bit at the office. And just people, you know, so I just feel that this happens to God's chosen people. I really do for some whatever reason. So w- to keep me grounded, uh, I learned that uh, every, there are angel numbers and I just happened to look at the clock. Well, it started in the 90s. Actually, I used to see the number 154 all the time. And it was just like a little joke. I was a big Elvis fan. In fact, I almost worshipped a man. It was really sad. <laughs> it was funny. I was like crazy about Elvis. Well, 154 it was the song length of his first single, That's All Right, Mama. And I don't know why I would look at the CD counter at 154. I would look at the clock, 154. Somebody's score on a game show would be 154. A book would fall to the floor and it'd be on page 154. So I just say, okay, that's Elvis saying hello to me. You know, all right, why not? Because Elvis did come to me in a dream once, you know, and I think that's what kept me from becoming a one of those psychotic Elvis fans you hear about, you know. So (laughs) anyway, but, uh, but then later as I got older, when I started seeing like crosses and I met, uh, I am 99% sure that I met one of my guardian angels. Uh, so when I started like looking back and realizing these things would happen, then the angel numbers was next. And I see 1111 a lot and it's just, uh, your angels letting you know that, they're working hard to protect you, and uh, and you are on your life's journey, your life's path, and I am getting evidence of that all the time, just from people like you coming into my life, Janet. So, and then the, what I texted you about, uh, what about three, four weeks ago, uh, I dreamed the numbers eight, 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 and and uh, and then the next. I think I dreamed it like on a Saturday night 
And then that Monday morning, when I'm at the office, I'm running this report to see what I have to work on. The numbers on my report were 8888. I thought, whoa. So I decided to look it up, and it said that it meant that, you know, good blessings and good fortune is coming your way. I'm happy and content with my life as is. Uh, I mean, there's some stuff that I'm going through now that I would like to not go through anymore. But for the most part, I'm a blessed man despite the evil that's around me, you know. Uh, I am very surprised that you don't experience those affirmations. Um, Yeah, I don't don't ever get uh, numbers. I've never been one to get numbers. Um, What I get is usually um, like feelings or thoughts that – you know, I'm supposed to contact somebody or, uh, like physically touch somebody or, um, you know, whatever the case may be. It's, it's like this nudge that I get. And I've, I've told this story on my show before, but, um, we were at a concert one time. I, I, let me interrupt you just real fast. I'm so sorry, but you know how I was That's talking okay. about, you remember how I was saying, I see 1111 and the, the counter that, uh, for this recording that we're doing, I, I started talking mm-hmm. about 1111 right when we were at an hour and 11, uh, minutes, 11 seconds. It was like right around that time. So isn't that funny? See, that means that that's just another sign of how on track my life is. But you, but you know, one thing that you said um, is that you know you were gonna have blessings and and stuff. Um, to me, those manifest as people, um, mm. really good people into my life. So um, blessings and good fortune are, you know, people that are brought into my life that either I need at that time or that they need me at that time. Um, and I think, uh, I, I can best explain it this way. Um, when you need something, when your soul needs something or somebody else's does, uh, you are drawn to or given another person that's on your same frequency or same wavelength. Um, so that you, you can pull from each other. Oh my God, that makes so much sense because that's exactly what's mm-hmm. going on in my life right now. Mm-hmm. That is exactly what's going on in my life right now. And this year has been one of my most blessed years because just from the friendships that I had to say goodbye to, to all the new friendships I'm making, because I, I'm mm-hmm. being an open book. I am looking for lifelong friends, but I need people in my life who, well, can't be bought. Who uh, right that are that are strong yeah and have positive energy absolutely and but see that's the good thing is because like you um went through that with you know friends that are no longer there uh, mine was family my mm. my mom has been a very destructive force in my life for a very long time and she got to the point where. Uh, she is so brainwashed by the mainstream media that yeah. even though she knows me and she knows who I am, I'm a terrorist to her. Oh my God. Wow. Well, you're, uh, and you know, so she's been, she's been toxic and destructive for a long time. And so a lot of people are like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, 
No, because you've heard me talk about so many times uh, getting rid of anything in your life that is toxic, whether it's people, whether it's a job um, or whatever the case may be, uh, friendships, relationships. If there's something toxic, get rid of it, cleanse your life and, and things are so much better. So do I miss her? No, I don't. Do yeah. I still pray for her? Yes. Yeah. But I cannot save her. She has to save herself. You know, when my brother so, when my brother was murdered, you know, my mother, okay, that's another thing you and I have in common. We both have lost a sibling and we both have a mother who's completely bought into the COVID narrative. My mother, uh, she's mm-hmm. got all the jabs and everything. And when my brother was murdered, and so when I went to her house the next day, uh I I went there because I thought she needed me to be there. You know, I was going to spend right. a few nights, but that's because you got that calling to do that. Uh, mm-hmm. well, it was a, it was a calling, but it wasn't a calling to do that. It was a calling, uh, for me to confirm what I had already concluded, which is that my relationship with my mother is probably not ever going to be the same because mm-hmm. a similar, my mother, you know, she, as soon as I got there, she's putting on her mask. Right. Okay. Uh, and I don't, you know, she's in her seventies. I'm not going to wreck her world and tell her how evil and corrupt the, ro- the world really is. It would just, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to do that to an old lady, but I, this one time I tried to say, well, mom, there's a doctor named Dr. Peter McCullough. Could you, and she said, I don't care. I just want my mask, you know? Mm-hmm. So I just said, you know, okay. I thought I was needed to be here, but you know what? She she had a handle on my brother's death. She was making all the arrangements. She uh, kind of snapped at me about something else, and I said, you know, I, I have an apartment. I'm just going to go back mm-hmm. there. And I felt so good about that decision because I was I went there because I thought she needed me to be there. But the lesson that I learned there is that, well, just because somebody is your mother or your your brother or whatever, that doesn't mean that they need to be, they have to be in your tribe, I guess, is right. what I'm getting at. And, Absolutely. Uh, and so, well, uh, you know, if my mother calls me, you know, we, we get along, we talk every few days, but I could never spend a significant amount of time, or if I do what we can talk about is so limited and I would, if, if I mean, I have, to, I have to bite my tongue so much, you know, <laughs> because I know so much and she knows so little. And again, you can't teach a person who doesn't want to learn. Mm-hmm. That's very true. So, um, but if I, if my mother knew the extent of what I believe, she'd probably be calling me a terrorist too, because my mother believes everything <laughs> that she sees in the damn news. So does my mom. Yeah. You know. And but you know, but you know it's fine because um, like I said, you you're given people that that you need for your life. And so the loss of that is completely fine because she's been replaced by other people that that fill that space that that you know, the black hole that she was creating in my life for such a long time. There's other people that have filled that in and made it something beautiful. So, 
Yeah. I'm very abundantly blessed by all the wonderful people that I know now. Yeah, and you and you said you have a husband too, right? Uh-huh. Yep. Okay. Well, hey, you got a life partner, you know? And, and you know what? He we are um soulmates and best friends. I went through like hell. Uh and then he just kind of fell in my lap. Uh we met <laughs> over the internet, but, uh, we have been together ever since. And he is a hundred percent me. We are the same. Uh, we have the same morals values. We don't ever argue. We don't ever fight about anything. And we just really enjoy spending time together. That's awesome. What's what's, what's his sign and what's your sign? Um, I am a Scorpio. <laughs> okay. Oh, that explains why you and I get along. That that explains why you and I get along. Wow, y'all Scorpios, y'all seem so but, nice. Now I'm gonna now I'm gonna find out your no y'all are Capricorns and Scap- uh, Capricorns and Scorpios get along great. So you and me will never have problems. Which which is funny because that's uh, my daughter's a Capricorn and her and I are like best friends. Yeah. Um, What's your husband? And so we have a, we have a, uh, he is a Gemini. Okay. Very intellectual. Um, mm-hmm. Now, now, does he, he uh, Gemini's, they, they detest boredom. He, he, he hates to be bored, right? He, he always has to be doing something. Yes. Maybe. Okay. Yes. Yeah. But <laughs> they, they're really good at looking at both sides of an issue. I would just say probably once in a blue moon, he might seem like he's like some other guy, like, who the hell are you? Well, that's that evil twin thing that they have, but you know, that's, that's, that's a rare occurrence. That's a rare occurrence, you know? Yeah. He's so, um, he's like me. We're both very, uh, even keel, very, um, you know, no drama, no, you know, whatever. I mean, it, life is so easy now. And that's why I said before, like we live every day for us and, you know, yeah. our world and we don't allow all the outside nonsense to come in. Does he play? So, a, does he play guitar? Does he play guitar? By uh, guitar and bass. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. So that means when me and Scott come up there, we all got a jam. Do you sing? Um, I sing all the time. Not that I'm a great singer, but yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Because you know, and it's so funny. Um, like I will sing literally anything because it raises your vibration when you do. Oh, I believe. And that. so even even if I'm like sitting outside, um, you know, I sing to the birds and the animals and stuff that come in the yard. <laughs> Wow. Or, or I talked to them. Yeah. Some like he, he used to laugh at me. He's like, you're like snow white. <laughs> I just like, I'll talk to, I'll talk to the lizards or, you know, whatever's around. Wow. I like that. I love that. Okay. Yeah. I've been, uh, I play a little guitar myself and, uh, you know, of course, how can you grow up in Nashville and not play a little something on guitar, you know? So Oh yeah, absolutely. We're in the we're in a very good uh music area. So. Absolutely. And now you're near Memphis, right? Yep. I yeah. live outside of Memphis in the country. I'm very for, country. 
I am due for another visit to Graceland, uh, but it's gotten so corporate and so they don't really care. Yeah. They, don't, they don't they don't respect the fans like they used to. I, I'm hearing all kinds of horror stories now, so I'm not sure. Yeah, we have. I have never been there. I I've been by there, but I've never actually been in because it is so pricey now. Yeah, it's retarded. Yeah, uh, so. I, and there, there's a couple of YouTube channels that I follow where that are, you know, have pretty big followings, and they have made videos of themselves just being harassed by security and being treated mm-hmm. with no respect. That's like these are Elvis fans, and I tell you one thing: Elvis was never a dick to his fans ever. He always knew that his fans were the reason that he was Elvis. He never forgot that. But you know. But, you know, I think um, that is like a cancer in our society right now is uh, there's so many people, uh, whether it's, you know, police officers or uh, security people at Walmart or whatever that just feel like they are entitled to mistreat people. Yeah. It's like a power trip anymore. How can a human being? feel that they have more authority moral authority than another human being i will i will i don't want to ever know want to know what it's like to feel that uh well but the day that we're taping this which is uh february 23rd i guess you heard that trudeau has uh revoked the emergency powers act so he looks like the the shit finally got too thick for his authoritarian ass that little fucking pitch bitch sorry so (laughs) so disgusted by what's going on in canada right now he is such a little bitch he's a he he likes to sick his goons on somebody and go hide in the corner and go oh hurt him harm him i hate him god sorry you know what he sounds like uh he reminds me of aoc Oh. And there I was, yeah. hiding in the corner because <laughs> I thought somebody was going to take my life. Uh, oh, but I wasn't really even there. How Maybe can she's we... like David Hogg. Oh, I, how did we go all this time and not bring that name up? Oh, my God. They're trying to make her the next Pelosi, the next Obama. Every word out of her mouth mm-hmm. is such bullshit. And you're right, that whiny little voice. It, it's, yeah, it's like mm-hmm. Trudeau and dr- drag, basically. And when people called her out for it's being so in Florida, a, a state that she has put down, when, when people called her out for being in Florida without masks, right. and then she turns and said, "Well, Republicans just want to date me." Really? That's your? That's what you have to say? I, <laughs> I posted about that and Instagram flagged it um, for uh, what they call it. Um, Oh, oh uh, harmful content or bullying? Like it, it's, yeah, incitement of violence. Um, it was incitement <laughs> of violence because you cannot question AOC. Now, uh, the violence that would come from that could be vomiting from people throwing up uh, at that comment she yeah. made. But that's beside the point. Yeah, a that lot of Democrats nice are hip. Shame on me. Oh, no, no, no. Democratic voters are hip to her. Uh, they know she's full of shit, except for that small. I would say, uh, I would say about maybe nineteen percent of America are like staunch, loyal, dedicated Democrats. Mm-hmm. The rest of the country, 
is something else. Uh, unfortunately, we still have some Trump people who are a, a little bit in denial about their guy. But I would say even his base is starting to crack a little bit because they're like, why? I see on Gab all the time. They say, why are you pushing this jab that's killing people? Right. And, you know, for me, um, I just want people to leave me alone yes. and, and let me do my own thing because I'm an adult and I know how to make good decisions. And, but it's for your health, you it's know, for your health Janet. I, it's, it's for your health. Yeah. It's for the good <laughs> of public health and safety. Yeah. Who said that quote? No. That public health, public welfare has always been the alibi of tyrants. Mm -hmm. That's very true. That's a hundred percent true. Yeah. So my dear, yes. since we're nearing an hour and a half, tell people where they can find you. Tell them about your radio station. Tell them about your podcast. Tell them everything. I would love for people, uh, especially in my, if you're like in your late thirties, early forties on up, and you stream music while you're working or maybe while you clean up the house. And if you dig people like Stevie Nicks and Eric Clapton, and maybe even a little Metallica, a little Rod Stewart, U2, whatever. But you're tired of hearing the same old songs. Like if you hear Jack and Diane by John Mellencamp, you're probably going to jump off a building. Or if you hear Landslide by Fleetwood Mac, you're going to jump off a building. But yet you still love those artists. Come on over to Modern Retro Radio where you can hear these same artists, but you can hear their newer stuff, stuff that's come out like in the last five, 10 years and brand new music by these people. And you're going to be so surprised what a great station it is. And we're not just, and we don't just, we're not a station where we just sound like somebody's iPad or iPod playing on shuffle. We have air talent there. There's myself, there's Mike B. Uh, there's Rod, who's also in my band with me and my dear, dear, dearest, dearest friend. And so there's a personality to the station. Uh, Mike and I do new releases every week, which runs at noon. So go to modernretroradio.com or modernretrofm.com. We're on a couple of phone apps. If you know about uh, TuneIn or Radio.net, just type in Modern Retro Radio and you can stream us. And I think you will love uh, what you hear, especially if you like these artists. Uh, I, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised by how good their uh, their more recent stuff is. You know, fantastic. Yes. In other words, see. And what about your podcast? That is uh, something new. I've done two episodes, and uh, one Saturday night a month uh, at midnight, I do what's called the Audi Podcast. That's where we kind of just let her all hang out, you know. And I did uh, the first show with uh, Sec, who hosts Agora the podcast, and. And that was funny because uh, I had my first deep state interruption uh, where we were talking about um, um, what happened. Uh, we were talking about how uh, police academies disqualify applicants with high IQs. And so Sex right. started, started talking about that. And he says, well, yeah, if you want barking dogs or whatever. And, and next thing you know, my device feels, you know, I had to take the battery out to get it. <laughs> So I was like, okay, I guess they didn't like that. And so when we came back, I said, oh, well, I guess the deep state like that. I said, you know what? I just love the government. I just love the government so much. You know, I said, oh, and I, you know, I, I bet Joe Biden has a big old dick too, man. I bet he's just hung <laughs> like a, I was saying. You know? 
<laughs> so <laughs> when when events like that I always happen, like if I'm on a show with somebody or you know what things go squarely, I always like say hello to my uh, CIA and NSA agents <laughs> that are listening. Yes, yes. Hope you're having a good day. <laughs> well, you know, it's like. You know, Edward Snowden has exposed all this, and a, a, cor- a court even ruled that uh, the government shouldn't, didn't have the uh, authorization to do it. But you know, they're doing it. Oh you know, yeah, and they still the, are. Yeah, they they first of all they operate on a they operate on a budget that's not even on the books. So who knows mm-hmm. the infinite amount of cash they have, and that's why you have troll armies infiltrating social media. And bad talking people. That's why you have the gang stalkers and and uh, all the the agitators out there in the real world who try to do nothing but cause trouble. Their job is to ca- cause chaos, and they literally get paid to do it. And these are people who have sold their humanity, and they're low down pieces of shit. And I don't know how they sleep at night. <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> but thank God that people like you and I have found each other, and Scott. And Sec and Joshua and all my new friends and my uh, good friend Rod. So I have a, uh, a I have already a one support system, but I feel like my support system is getting bigger. And I'm so grateful to know you, Janet. And I hope you get to I hope you uh, do uh, an episode of the Audi podcast with me in the next month or so. I absolutely will. And it is a honor and a blessing to know you. Um, Thank you. And we we do text a lot and yeah. you know we we have conversations outside of this recording so yeah. i'm very uh happy that scott hooked us up let's just say that Absolutely. so where can they find your podcast at my dear uh it's also on modernretroradio.com um it, one it runs uh, every, uh one saturday night a month uh at midnight so if you um What's the best way? Just tune in Saturday night at midnight, and uh, if it's running, great. If not, then catch it next week. <laughs> but in, <laughs> in the meantime, no. Uh, Martin Richard is mainly about the music, but I do the Audi podcast just as a way for me preserving my own sanity, you know? Right. And we, we all need some kind of outlet, and I Absolutely. think that's a good thing. And I hope um, more people find their voice you know, and even if if you put it out and it's just for you and you have, you know, five listeners, that's that's all you need, because uh, yeah. it's a therapy session for you to be able to say what you want to say. Absolutely. So, yeah. I hope more people follow that and, and do their own thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I usually keep about half of the regular listeners, you know, when special programming comes on and that, that's good enough for me. You know, uh, mm-hmm. because, again, I love music and and I we are not a typical Internet radio station. We are a station that has some personality. We we do intros for a lot of the songs. So it sounds like the radio that I heard growing up in the 80s, you know, where there's a DJ, right. there's a personality. So that's what we're all about. So uh, and I, I like that so much better than the big corporate conglomerate. You know, where you're going to hear the same music song five stations. times. Where you going to hear the same song yes. five times a day for three months? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of that. 
So uh, I'm, I'm very, I'm very glad that you have your own station and it's music that I listen to. So, uh, yeah, you know, that's Check fantastic. That. Yes. Uh, so if, if you, if, Sorry, if you had um, one thing that you could, uh, like one message that you could give people for the future, what would it be? Ooh. When somebody says something to you that is completely out of your sphere of grasp or whatever, don't dismiss the person, even if the message doesn't make sense to you. Mm -hmm. Uh, be open to other points of view and definitely (laughs) stop trusting mainstream media. There you go. (laughs) Because their job is to lie to you. Their job is to lie to you. Their job is to manufacture consent for war. Their job is to protect the pedophile warmongering sociopaths that the deep state hires to represent you. They don't represent you. Uh, so stop trusting your enemy. There you go. That's it. Don't trust. Beautiful stop trusting said. your enemy. <laughs> All right. This has been uh, wonderful, and I I I am so honored to uh, be on Deplorable Nation. Well, I appreciate you being on here uh, the, today with me. I love you very much. I appreciate oh, you, and for for me and for Audi, we will see you next time. Have a good one. Bye-bye.